I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. I play video games. It's the constant drive to be the best at something. When you want your name written into history, you have to pay the price. The fact of the matter is, Bill is the best classic arcade gamer of our era. I've probably seen Steve with tears in his eyes more than any other guy I know. Oh, he's just come up short in a lot of things in his life, and I just think nobody wants to do that all the time. Well, Donkey Kong, without question, is the hardest game. That's a tough machine. People think that the machine is possessed. The average Donkey Kong game doesn't last a minute. It's absolute brutality. The mysterious player from the West Coast, Steve Weep, is here. He could beat it if he... He'd have to have a really good game. You want to put a score up, you're competing against everybody in the world. It's not even about Donkey Kong anymore. He's a very devious person. He works things out to his ends very well. Oh, Billy Mitchell always has a plan. <sighs> world Record Headquarters can I help you. Well, maybe they'd like it if I lose. I gotta try losing sometime. No matter what I say, it draws controversy. It's sort of like the abortion issue. I wanted to be a hero. I wanted to be the center of attention. I wanted the glory. I wanted the fame. I wanted the pretty girls to come up and say, hi, I see that you're good at centipede. <laughs> that quote is attributed to Walter Day. And uh. It's not from a documentary about people living in fantasy land. Well, most of them are, though. It's from the King of Kong. They absolutely live in fantasy land because this guy literally thought he would get really good at Centipede to get girls' attention. He also thinks he's great at music, like he's the fucking Maharishi. It's very weird. It's very Kool-Aid-driven on this, uh, this episode this week. Just as we've done before, if we cover something such as a television episode, music video, documentary, book, video game, etc., then we put those episodes under the title Swim Meet Series. We are here, Kevin, for another meet. Yes, we are still, of course, the Pool Scene Podcast, just a special, what, sub-episode? What do we want to call it? Yeah, those? it's like a subdivision. Yes, and I'm Rush. Kevin. I'm joined by Jim. I'm Warehouse. He's Warehouse. <laughs> I just told him about the wrestler J.P. Warhorse, Warhorse being confused <laughs> as Warehouse. <laughs> just too funny uh the king of kong is a 2007 documentary about competitive arcade gaming or mostly one game donkey kong there'll always be the argument that video games are meant to be played for fun believe me some of it's a lot of fun video games are meant to be played at home relaxing on a couch amongst friends and they are and that's fun but competitive gaming when you want to attach your name to a world record when you want your name written into history you have to pay the price with this it's just like me and the machine i can doesn't matter if you you know if you let me down or someone else it doesn't come through i can always go out there i'm in control or they call it uh, Donkey Don Kong. They call it Donkey, Donkey Kong. Kong. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. And it's just, it's nobody can say it It's correctly. everything else except Donkey Kong. The King of Kong was directed by Seth Gordon, who has directed some comedy films. Four Christmases, Horrible Bosses, Identity Thief, and the Baywatch movie. Which, not bad. Yeah, not too bad. He also directed another documentary called Freakonomics. And a ton of television comedies such as Community, The Office, Parks and Rec, Modern Family, and The Goldbergs. Jim, it's time for some news and information. So uh, that portion of the pod, go ahead and hit us with the goods. King of Kong, or King of Kong, or King of Kong, debuted on August the 17th of 2007. Certainly no budget, it's a documentary, but it ended up grossing 790128 bucks. For us video game fans, for all you Twitter fans out there, Kevin and I both are on the Twitter hashtag, otherwise known as the fucking pound sign in normal reality, was invented and first used in the tweet by a product designer called Chris Messina. Okay. So he was the first to use the hashtag. 
Because oh. I can remember, I remember jumping on Twitter in 07 when it first started. And I remember a lot of people like, why are you doing that? Stupid. Yeah. Nobody's going to do that shit. And I remember misusing, I'll never forget, referencing our buddy Jake. I was misusing hashtags because I would talk about something and hashtag something else. And I'll never forget him scolding me because he's like, no, you have to hashtag and what you're referencing to in your tweet. Yeah. Also, proper grammar. What were you? Ha- what were you? Ha- give us an example. Let's say, for instance, I'm talking about. Let's yeah. say I'm talking about MTV. I'm like, man, this Crazy Town video, fucking not great. Hashtag Chicken McNuggets. Why? Like, I don't know. I, just, I didn't understand tweeting how it worked back then. And it's funny because we've evolved past hashtags already. Yeah, we have. You don't really need to hashtag unless, like. If you're talking about music, television, MTV, if you're saying like, oh, this show on MTV is crazy, it'll still come up under tweets about MTV. It you will. don't need to hashtag MTV. Now, if you just said, man, this music video is crazy, you could put hashtag MTV. Yeah, not hashtag Chicken McNugget. I learned I evolved. And speaking of evolution, a couple of weeks ago, we ended season six with the deep end of kindergarten cop one and kindergarten cop two who i mistakenly thought the star of kindergarten cop two was jonathan shake yeah or Sheck. yes it was dolph lundgren i was one of the funniest moments ever in the history of the show i almost passed out and shit my pants on the air but this time august 17th 2007 actor jonathan Sheck, 37 Divorces actress Christina Applegate due to irreconcilable differences after four years of marriage. I had no idea they were married. Neither did I. Wow. It's sort of like last week, Empire Records. Make sure you guys check it out. Burko and Liv Tyler, her yeah. stepdaddy. I don't I don't know if that lasted or it didn't. I didn't look it up to see. I couldn't imagine it lasting very long. Yeah. Can you imagine be like, oh, your father Steven Tyler? Well, I'm all your fucking dad too. Weird. I'm 29. I'm playing. I'm 14. The number one video game of the year, Kevin, since we're covering video games here, I think it's only apropos that I talk a little bit about video games. The game of the year was Call of Duty Modern Warfare. That was the game of the year. Won all the accolades. I'll never forget it. I used to play Call of Duty all the time. I used to be a big online gamer until kids that would be six or seven are calling me every fucking word (laughs) under the sun. Like warehouse. Yeah. Calling me warehouse throwing in racial epithets and i'm like i'm white and you're yeah. calling me this but like what the fuck ever that's when i literally hung it up but most of these kids would be calling me all this shit while the number one song in america was playing big girls don't cry by fergie oh okay I don't even remember this song yeah, I know at all. Not, I surprised it was that. Well, because we've talked about it, we reached that certain level when it comes to music and music videos right around this time where it's just like, who cares? It's, yeah. it's another shitty song, another shitty music video. But basically, that's all that was going on around this time in 2007. But now, Kevin, to the main event. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the main event. Billy Mitchell walks into an arcade. You know, everything stops. There's electricity around Billy Mitchell. Everybody wants to crowd around him. Everybody wants to see him. You know, everything about him is is, is perfect. You know, Billy is just that person, you know, he wants to represent. If you could hack into the machine and program it to play itself, you couldn't even program it that well. There's a glamour to Billy. There's a specialness to Billy. He was the first. He was the first great, great player. When I got laid off and I had time on my hands, I was thinking, well, what, what can I do to, to kind of feel like I have control of something? So I looked at Twin Galaxies. I just, well, I typed in Donkey Kong World Record, and some spreadsheet came up, and I saw what the score was. It was held by Billy Mitchell, and it was like 874,000. I go, hey, I can beat that. Let's barrel into the plot. That was a subtle one, right? That was very subtle. Our story takes place in Ottumwa, Iowa, 
at an arcade called Twin Galaxies, ran by Walter Day. But what we've done is had the mayor tie off the entire street so the Life magazine could come to town and photograph the world's greatest video game players who've been flown in especially for this Life photographic session. All these great superstars have come in from North Carolina, California, Canada, many other places to be photographed as the official world champions on many different games. <laughs> Twin Galaxies is known for keeping track of records and all-time high scores for games, mostly from what they consider to be the golden age of games, the early 1980s. Yes. Restaurateur and hot sauce promoter Billy Mitchell holds a number of records at Twin Galaxies, including... Donkey Kong. Yep, Donkey Kong. Well, Donkey Kong, without question, is the hardest game. The average Donkey Kong game doesn't last a minute. It's absolute brutality. Each of the 18 elevator boards represents the greatest challenge um, in video game playing. The average gamer on Donkey Kong will never get past the third elevator stage. Unemployed former Boeing engineer Steve Wiebe purchased an arcade cab of Donkey Kong for his home in Redmond, Washington. Being a math whiz, Weeby uses numbers to translate patterns in the game. He scores over 947,000 points. But, Kevin, it's a gunk board, man. Yes. Doesn't count. There's gunk on it. Weeby sends the the score with his kid taking a shit <laughs> because literally his son his is ass- yelling for his dad to wipe his ass. <laughs> his dad's in the middle of a record-breaking score. Even his son. And then he tells him something weird, which is, come down here, bring toilet paper. Even his son with a load of shit in his pants can't say Donkey Kong properly. Donkey Kong! Stop Donkey Kong! I was having a game in my life. I was, I think I got 600,000 uh, and I hadn't died yet. And when I start hearing some noises, coming down the stairs, screaming. I believe this is happening, guys. Wipe your bottom? I will in a second, bud. Okay, bring me some toilet paper, buddy. Derek, I got, I'm gonna get the world record, Derek. Derek, I'm gonna get the world record. Don't Derek. Derek! You stop it. It's all on tape, and I had, that's the tape I had to send into to Twin Galaxies. Weeby then follows up by being the first person to score over a million. That doesn't... Yeah. Fuck yeah! Billy Mitchell and Twin Galaxies send representatives to investigate Weeby's machine. In a weird turn of events, they learn that the circuit board in the machine was provided by Roy Schilt, a fellow record holder in Missile Command. Roy Schilt. Um, Kevin, Miss Command. <laughs> Miss Command. <laughs> uh, Roy Schilt and Billy Mitchell have been feuding for years. I want you to remember that no punk bastard ever got a gnarly piece of poom tang by being sensitive and considerate. He calls himself Mr. Awesome. He drives the Awesomeable to fame and fortune, as he says on his website. He's jealous of Billy because Billy gets attention from beautiful women wherever he goes. And essentially, he wants to be like Billy. I haven't mentioned it yet, but Billy Mitchell has a lot of pool at Twin Galaxies. Because he's one of the fucking official scorers. Yes. And basically, if he says to disqualify a score or acknowledge a score, they do. So they basically refuse to acknowledge Weeby's score because of the association with Schilt. They say that there's white gunk on the board. <laughs> there is literally jizz And on I don't the board. know how that affects his gameplay, but they're like, nope. But I love the fact in the documentary when they refer to the white gunk incident on his board, they immediately go to old footage of Roy Schilt as Captain Awesome. Oh, it's amazing. With a girl like laying over him, a titties hanging out, and his like fucking gork is almost on her leg. Weeby travels to an arcade in New Hampshire to attempt a high score run live with Twin Galaxies officials present. He also challenges Billy Mitchell head to head, but Mitchell no shows. Fuck, I hate this guy. Weeby reaches the kill screen at over 985,000, a new record. And wrecks Brian Koo's entire life. And then, <laughs> yes, he absolutely does. And then Billy Mitchell's friend, Brian Koo, shows up with a VHS of Billy scoring over a million, which suspiciously, the left side of the screen keeps doing like the ring thing. It keeps altering. Yes, and the, the score jumps. 
this goes against everything that Mitchell has fought for concerning validity of scores. He basically is like, if you can't play in person, the score doesn't count. And he fucking says it throughout the film. There's footage he of him doubles down. About it. When I do an actual score, I'll do it in person. Video games are meant to be played in a competitive environment, under pressure, organized, where you have to perform literally on demand. Um, have you ever seen your husband compete head-to-head in video games? Never. Never. And when you do that, you have far more credibility than someone who says, oh, I did that last week. No matter how good you play tennis, no matter how good you play golf, if you don't play when you have to play, if you don't play when the pressure's on, you're really not good enough. It's kind of ironic that he went he was a guy that pushed for live scores all the time. And now here I am at Fun Spot, busting my ass to get a live score. And he just submits tape scores now and then gets the record. But yet, they acknowledge a score that Billy submitted on a doctored VHS tape. This fucking guy. The icing on the cake is that they won't let Weeby see the tape. Can I see some of Billy's tape? What? The Billy mind fly saw. Uh, no, 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 I no, no, can't no. show you the tape. Oh, was a he didn't one, want me. A one play. A one play. It's a it's a one it's a one play tape. That's it. <laughs> it's gonna self destruct. <laughs> so it blew up. Steve says I'd really like to see some of that tape. Brian Koo says no. So one one play one, only. Yeah. In his awkward cadence here at Fun Spot. <laughs> Twin Galaxies reverses their policy, gives Billy Mitchell the record despite one of the judges saying the score jumps. Nine months later, Guinness publishes Twin Galaxy scores. Weeby attends a tournament in Florida hosted by Billy Mitchell on his home turf where Weeby fails to break the record. He again challenges Billy, who again refuses. We think that the movie's over with we be crying and you know just being sad that he never got to play billy one-on-one he says i i can deal with losing but i just never got a chance I, i'm surprised he could deal with his name being constantly yeah. mispronounced throughout the whole movie i think that steve weeb has to be viewed on his own merit and not on anything alleged which may have happened steve weeb feels fine to me doesn't he do you steve weeb could you come up here hey walter say that again it's steve weeb is it Steve Weeby? Yeah, Weeby. Oh, That's okay. For some reason, I keep thinking it's, it's Weeb. Sorry. Walter Day vouches for Weeby's integrity and urges him to submit tapes of his games. As our documentary ends, Weeby has achieved a new record of 1,049,100. And he beats Billy in the end. All right, let's talk about our characters. Oh, they're characters, all right. <laughs> Steve Weeby, the challenger. Again, he was a Boeing engineer who was laid off on the day they got the keys to their house. The nightmare scenario. Billy Mitchell, described in the film as the world's best gamer. He's 40 years old in this thing. Everybody, if you're watching this along with listening to this podcast, every time you look at him, go, he's 40. Just yeah. fucking look at him. 40. He's in a number of these documentaries and he kind of looks the exact same all the time. He was in the AEW at one of uh, when they were doing the uh, Kip oh, the bachelor arcade party. Thing. Yeah. Robert Murchak as chief referee of Twin Galaxies. I shouldn't say as. It's it's a documentary. <laughs> or, or as Julius Levinson yes. from, you know, I think of the integrity when they talk about my Billy. Yes. I was in the banca. I try to promote Twin Galaxies as integrity above all. Um, I will do that with my dying breath. And if a gamer knowingly cheats or tries to pull one past us, we will make sure that the score is not recognized. He wa he's been known to watch 48 hours of tape straight without taking a break. He has to be getting Social Security. I guarantee you, Murchek in this, 90. <laughs> Brian Koo, friend of Billy Mitchell and Donkey Kong player. He's he's got like a score of five hundred and some thousand, but he's he's a fucking goon. Steve Sanders, friend of Billy Mitchell and Donkey Kong player. Steve Sanders <sighs> walks a weird line because he talks to Billy every day. He's Switzerland. He worships Billy, but yet he cheers loudly for Steve and tells Steve how great he is. He vouches for Steve's integrity. God, which sometimes I don't know if it's genuine. I can't tell. I can only speak for myself. But I, I talked with Steve, I talked to his wife, I talked to his kids, I met with him, talked to him in detail. And speaking for myself, I have no question about his integrity, his uh, ability, or anything else. He, I mean, he's proven himself not just as a Donkey Kong player, but really as a person of, so of somebody who really desires to do the right thing. 
He seems like a real conniver, but I don't really trust an individual who does a one shot on camera that's offset from a playground in the middle of a field, probably <laughs> next to a cemetery. Roy Schilt, a.k.a. Mr. Awesome that we mentioned. Greg Bond. Oh, who is Captain. He should be called Captain Obvious. He's the Mappy champion. Yeah, he did say that for for Steve to beat Billy. He could beat it if he if he. He'd have to have a really good game. He would have to play a really good game. Yeah. End quote. <laughs> he has a dent. And then Doris Self. Oh, why? We still don't understand this. She is the, it says here, the previous holder of the Qbert record and title of oldest game champion. She is fucking Qbert. <laughs> she fucked Qbert? No, she is Qbert. You think Qbert, when he fucks, makes those noises? What's wrong with that? <laughs> when he jumps from platform to platform. <laughs> <laughs> he fucked Hubert. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jim. Who's your favorite person featured in the King of Call? Fucking Hubert. Warehouse. Okay, breathe. Focus. Here we go. My favorite quote-unquote character, besides Steve Weib or Steve Weeb or Steve Weeby that he's actually pronounced, I think if we look at this logically, I like his fat smoking friend. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Yeah. But he looks like... He's one of the only... I hate to say it this way, but he's one of the only like normal people in this. <laughs> he literally is... He's the most logical person because he sits fucking just lights up cigarette he's overweight he looks like it wants to be a mob boss like hey i know about fucking billy mitchell he's an asshole you yeah. know that's what he seems like he should be he's the common sense variable throughout this whole thing where he says you know what i didn't think twice about sending him to uh back east i was like absolutely go kick some ass he won't face Steve because he knows he'll lose to Steve. That's why I love his big fat friend. Uh, Roy Schultz great. Roy Schultz a liar. Roy Schultz a cheater. Roy Schultz full of crap. Roy Schultz out to get me and he's crazy, blah, 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 blah. Well, he's threatened Bill Mitchell physically. Uh, in fact, <laughs> he has threatened Bill Mitchell's life. No, I did not. I did not. I did not. He threatened his own life <laughs> to make it look like me. Because for whatever, to gain leverage with the other, with other people, I don't know. He figured what he, well, he knows that my missile command score is genuine. He's so great. He's great. He, he has a weird accent. He just wants to be famous. He said, I never got my 15 minutes. He's very jealous of Billy. He never got his 15 minutes of fame. He's like, Billy got to go on TV shows. I never got to go on any TV shows. But I still don't understand to this day. And this came out 16 years ago. What was the thing that set off this whole Roy... Like, Steve goes the fun spot. Walter is literally two inches from his face as he's attempting to score. Is Roy with you? Have you had any conversations with Roy? When was the last time you talked to Roy? Like, he's a fucking federal agent. Like if he, like, yes, like if he says, I talked to Roy today, he's like, disqualified. Yeah, like, pull leave, the plug. Leave. Also, like, Greg Bond. Yeah. There's a, a, a dent in his head. I Again, I hate to mention it because who knows? I like to think it's not from breaking the Mappy world record, fell asleep and hit his head on the joystick or something. <laughs> but he's he's just like Jim says, he's Captain Obvious. He's so obvious. Every like, quote he has in this thing is so good because it's just like, well, to win, he's got to play a good game. <laughs> okay. Thanks, you asshole. Let's move on to best scenes. What are our favorite scenes in King of Kong? You go first. I like Steve arriving at Fun Spot. This is a big weekend, and I'm really hoping that this fellow shows up because, um, you know, he'd like to tell you that uh, uh, he's the Donkey Kong champion. And um, the fact of the matter is um, all of us have not seen him play Donkey Kong. No one really noticed me at first. I was kind of looking to see who, were, who I'd pay the, the money to to get in the tournament. Signed in. I recognize Robert Mirzak. Zach is about 30 seconds away from dying. So I just pretty much walked over to the Donkey Kong machine. Okay, we might we might have a good story. It looks okay. like the, the mysterious player from the West Coast, Steve Weep, is here. I'm playing Donkey Kong, so maybe I, uh, I'm going to stop watching the tournament and we'll go over see him. I love it, because so, he's the unknown. Yeah, so nobody really knows. 
like or what he have, looks like. They have a video of him playing, but everybody's like kind of doing the the gossip, you know, like oh, I, it's this player X coming basically. This, uh, this mysterious player and, from the West Coast is coming. Yeah, and then I think about Steve's the nervousness he probably had getting out of his car and walking into Fun Spot, and then the way that people treat him it's is terrible. Scumbag. He basically goes straight to Donkey Kong, sits down. He's like, I'm here for Donkey Kong. This is the one thing I don't understand about that, and I told you while we watched this for the 15th million time. How is there not multiple Donkey Kong machines in this massive building? Yeah. So at Fun Spot, he goes back and forth playing against Brian Koo, and it's funny because Brian Koo, like, Disciple of Billy, he thinks he's in the same league as Steve. He's yeah. like, well, you know, he beat me. And then even when, when on the spot, Steve ends up putting up the highest score ever recorded in person. And Brian still like won't give him any. He's like, well, it was a pretty good game, but. But every time in between scores, he runs out to the lobby. Yes. And gets calls on the yep. payphone and calls Billy with the updated scores. But that scene where he finally breaks it yeah, and they stick on his face where you just see his world oh, yeah. shatter. Yes. Oh, it's great. And Jim is referring to Brian Koo. So Brian Koo, when they announce the score and all that, you can just see, you know, it all on Brian's face that his friend is basically, you know, not, not the record holder any longer. Um, Walter Day stated that this was the highest score ever done. And this is the first uh, kill screen achieved on Funspot's machine. Uh, Steve Wiebe has become the third person to reach uh, Donkey Kong's kill screen. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So one of my favorites by far is you learn to love. Steve Wiebe is just the most naturally nice white oh, yeah. bread, all American yes. guy who's Always was on the cusp, but something dropped him. And that's like the running theme throughout yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, and so so he lost his job at Boeing. He went and became a school teacher, a science teacher. Got a master's in a year. Yeah, became a science teacher, and he's the type of teacher that all the students love. He's the best. So my favorite, by far, when he beats the record, and he has to submit the tape to Robert Murchek, a.k.a. Julius Levinson, a.k.a. Judd Hirsch from Independence Day. But... The tape in which he submits it on, like we've talked about it, where you just hear his son just fucking throwing a tantrum shit all over his back or his ass or whatever. He wants his dad to stop playing Donkey Kong. Meanwhile, this dude sets a world record with his kid screaming. Yeah. It's such an well, awesome play. And you know, at times, so here's two weird things about this movie. Steve can't seem to ever play a game of Donkey Kong without some crazy distraction. There's no silence. Brian Koo getting cups or putting cups on top of the cabinet Who while he's playing. The fuck. If Steve Wiebe had an assholic bone in his body, as soon as he put that cup down, I'd fucking swipe the cup. Oh yeah. So then Walter face to face with them, his wife staring into his soul, yeah. his kids shitting. It's always <laughs> Billy showing up at one point, but it's always something. Yeah. He never gets to just play in peace. Yeah. What you got? What do you got next? So uh, one thing quick to mention uh, that goes back to fun spot is the Brian Koo. We oh. got a Donkey King, Donkey Kong, Donkey King, <laughs> Donkey King, <laughs> Donkey King, uh, kill screen coming up. So anything can happen in Donkey Kong. So uh, for someone else to beat me to the kill screen would be a letdown. But let's see what happens. Maybe he'll maybe he'll crack under the pressure and maybe I'll get my chance to do it first. There's a Donkey Kong kill screen might be coming up if anybody wants to see it. Hey, Todd, if you're interested, uh, there might be a Donkey Kong kill screen in a couple minutes. So, and he tells everybody and nobody gives a shit. In Donkey Kong, you can only get so far and then you die. The it's game runs out of memory. Yeah, it's a glitch where the game runs out of memory. You just die. Sometimes you can play it for 10 seconds before it kills you. Sometimes it just kills you automatically. So Brian Koo, no one's really ever seen one. No. You know, it's, I think Billy says in the documentary that the people who could get besides myself that have been seen getting to the end of Donkey Kong. Gee, now that I think about it, I don't think anybody has. Brian goes and literally tells every single person in the entire arcade. In the middle of their own scoring yes. games. If you're interested, we have a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. And people just look at him like, what is your malfunction, pal? Yeah, like, really? But then by the end, by the time we get to the kill screen, you've got, what, 50 people? Yeah. And of course, that little weasel goes and calls Billy to tell him, 
Well, I didn't count how many people, but they were all gathered around. He also says, oh, they're going to have a press conference. Yeah, NBC, CBS, CNN, <laughs> they're all there. They're going to announce Steve Weeb because they can't pronounce his name right, is the Donkey Kong World Champion. Also, I want to say, we get like these one-on-one shots where they're talking to Billy, and he's at the kitchen in his restaurant, Ricky's. Ricky's, Ricky's Sauce. Yeah, Ricky's Bar and Grill. With well, an E. Yeah. That the front of the place looks like it's been shut down since 1985. But the one thing that always drives me nuts He's standing in the middle of the kitchen doing these one-on-ones. Meanwhile, the restaurant's still working. His cook's in the background putting fucking wings down in a fryer basket that should be condemned. Also, cook's not wearing gloves. John Taffer would throw his shit fit. Don't eat anything here. Don't eat the freaking fruit. And I'm not kidding. You will get sick. You know, it's one of those unintentionally funny things about this documentary because they seem to put everyone in front of something crazy. Like every time you see Walter, he's in some sort of in front of some sort of filth. Like, or, uh, I don't know where the hell he is. Abandoned barn. Like, yeah. he's in front of all this weird stuff. It's weird because I want to go to Ricky's. I'm curious. I want to go. Cause you said I got good Yelp the reviews. Yelp reviews are overwhelmingly good. Like four and a half out of five star type reviews. Now, how many of those people just go to Ricky's because it's on the corner? Yeah. And how many of those people are like, I'm going to Billy Mitchell's bar? That one thing where he talks about what his initials are in Pac-Man oh. and he's rubbing Ty with the with Lady Liberty on it. He's like, I often have people ask me what my handle is, what my three initials are. I mean, come on. I tell people, look at me. What do you think my three initials were? If you don't know, you're not looking hard enough. T-I-E? No. Which one was I wearing yesterday? The American. USA? USA. So I had Latin friends and I had Canadian friends and I always had to keep the Americans on top. Should be obvious. And the one goes, tie, T-I-E. <laughs> and he's like, no. Like Billy Mitchell is one of the greatest heels in the world after this documentary. Yeah. But then he comes out after a documentary and say, oh, they painted me in a bad light. You fucking wanted this. Yeah. You contradictory fuck. You know, and, and underrated aspect of this is how shitty Billy's parents are too. I don't understand his parents. Billy's dad's like, Billy's just a winner. He just, he's the best. He's, All I do is win, win, yeah. win. And then his mom's like, yeah, he's he's great. But it's funny because the Cubert lady. There's no backstory no, to the Cubert lady. The Cubert lady basically is like. He's a very devious person. He works things out to his end very well. <laughs> oh, Billy's going to manipulate everything. She's like, no matter what he does, he's going to find an angle to try and cheat. And let's talk about this mysterious tape. He's going to give her the tape to go to fun spots so she can set a soaring Cubert. And he tells her, listen, you could like go down an airplane crash. You could die, but don't lose this yeah. tape. He says the thing about Brian Koo. You could get in an auto accident, but don't lose this tape. Yeah. Like, fuck off. I, when I said it when we were watching this, my one of my the best things that would have ever happened is what if in person Steve Weeby would have scored higher than what was on Billy's tape after the tape had already been sent. I would love so it. So it's like Steve Weeby put up like one point one million and then everybody's like, Hey guys, we gotta watch Billy's tape, and then Billy's tape's like one million forty seven. It's like Okay, you're still second. That would have been great, but it didn't happen. I wish, and I shouldn't say I wish. That's the wrong word to say. Steve Wiebe is just, he's introverted. Yeah. He doesn't want to put up any confrontation. Like when he goes down to Hollywood for the Guinness event, Billy's minion question mark. Yeah. He even says, well, is everybody knows. Talk to Billy. (laughs) I talk to Billy every day. I had had lunch with him today. Do you know if he's eating? Is there any percent? I don't think he's too busy. Well, he's not prepped. Not prepped. But he knew it was coming. He could have prepped. Billy gonna go. I don't. I don't think Billy's gonna be here. Oh, it's because he's he's busy. He's like, oh, when did you talk to him? And he's like, oh, I I had lunch with him today. Yeah. He's like, oh, is he coming? And he goes, nah. But Weeby just like brushes it off. I wish Weeby would be assertive and go, Billy. Me and well, you fucking now. That's my final one. And it, it's kind of just a, a mix, an amalgamation of all of all scenes. Billy's avoidance of Steve. Yeah. So Billy, like Steve has had a couple opportunities now to where he's challenged Billy head to head. So finally, he's just like, I'm going to the tournament that Billy's hosting in his hometown. Yeah. It's like no excuses. Billy's got to be there. Even so Walter says it. Billy doesn't show up. Steve, who's he go with? He goes to Billy's restaurant. Yeah. They go to Ricky's. They go to Ricky's. And then, like, finally, Billy 
while Steve's playing, Billy walks behind him and tells his wife. With his super hot wife. Tells his wife. There's certain people I don't want to spend too, too much time with. Uh, certain people I don't want you to, to hang around with. Yeah. Like, like in earshot of Steve. Like, it's so weird. And Billy kind of just stands across the room. It's so awkward. And then you've got a, a, this one scene where Steve Sanders is talking to the camera. I'm real sorry he's not. He didn't come. Bill? Yeah. Well, you know, Mark and... Steve showed up unexpectedly and un, uninvitedly, but hard to keep him away. Yeah. And Bill just doesn't want anything to do with him. All right, yeah. see ya. Billy's car pulls, pulls up, up in the up. background. It's like, they know who that is. Like, it's so odd. It looks like hookers at the point on HBO. <laughs> like, there was delicious at the point. <laughs> she was going to use her mouth for more than just talking. If Steve, just for one five-second burst, would have stood up to any of them, this documentary goes in an entirely different way. There's no way in hell that Billy avoids him if fucking Steve stands up and goes, Billy! Now think about, yeah, think about these guys, you know, they've never been faced with any sort of, you know, they've probably been bullied their whole lives. So then they become bullies yeah. to Steve, but Steve's the most kind hearted. Oh, he's like you best. said, like Steve is painted as this like big, bad villain. When in reality, he's just an outsider. Yeah. You know, they're like, he's coming in our circle to break our records Yeah, and they all worship Billy, but it's like, Billy's the heel. Billy's the villain. Steve is not. And he wants to be the villain, but. Another guy, Kevin, I think we need to mention real quickly before we move forward. Shout out to the underdog MVP of this, Crystal Castles champion, Mark Alpiger. This is actually technically a weightlifting glove because I discovered in the 80s that you could buy a weightlifting glove which was fingerless, and I used it to uh, used it to play Marble Madness. See the double padding? Occasionally I use this to avoid calluses from jo certain joystick games. You can do Marble Madness or trackball all day long. <laughs> With his special bike gloves yeah. that he can use to play Marble Madness, Crystal Castles, and at one point during the Guinness event, Mark decides to sit up on a stool and use his fucking foot <laughs> on the trackball. Imagine if you're going against this guy to try to beat his high score, and this fucker plays footsie on oh. his own cab. I'm out. Get that wart shit off the fucking thing, all right? All right. I do have a critical question. All right. If you were able to have like 40 hours a week or whatever to dedicate to a single video game, which game do you think you could be a record holder at? So it's like something you've probably already got a pretty good base at. Not like, hey, I'm going to pick up a game I've never played. Yeah. And like, I couldn't pick up Call of Duty now and compete with some of these online Call no of way. Duty gamers. But like, there are games I'm like, okay, I've played a lot of this. If I were able to quit my job and focus entirely on playing this, just putting in that time, what game do I think I could break a world record in? Now, pretty much any game I would say would have a world record. And even if it doesn't have a score, you go by time or whatever, speed runs. I think if I threw myself into it, like we said with Donkey Kong, these runs that they're putting in are over two hour plus runs. Yeah, when we I, see Steve break the record at Fun Spot, he it's like two and a half hours. No stopping for pissing, nothing. You're locked into two. I don't know if I have the anxiety or the will. As much as I love Ms. Pac-Man, I just could not put in three hours to try to get a perfect game on it. No way. So if I had to throw myself into something that I've always wanted to be great at, it would be Mike Tyson's punch out. Oh, yeah. nice. Because to this day, I still have not beat Mike Tyson. That's a really impressive one if you could consistently beat Tyson. Yeah, not just, just like put it in just the code. like a, a party trick. Yeah, it's just like run the table and beat Tyson. I don't know how many times that we've tried. You know, double oh five seven three seven five nine six three. I think There's, we got kind of close. Not we, close, but we almost got there. Yeah, we've got a couple minutes in on them. Yeah, I would say it's NHL ninety four. Oh, chill. So I went well over ten years without losing a game in NHL ninety four, and and I've lost a step because I don't really play anymore. But I think if I got back into putting the time in, I could go to the annual championship they have and this isn't being no. conceded i literally think at one point i was that good in nhl 94 i will say for the longest time i thought i was pretty damn good 
at NHL 94 using my Quebec Nordiques. But man, when you came in, that fucking Pat LaFontaine, <laughs> Buffalo yeah. Sabres. And see, that's the funny thing is I use Buffalo. If I used one of the, you know, there's a, a couple games like that always have like the Bo Jackson Tecmo. Oh, they all kinda, do. So like there's players on that game that if I switch teams, I mean, yeah. but I probably wouldn't. I'd probably use Buffalo. I, I, I think if I put the time in, signed up for the tournament and went, I could probably win like i'll always say the one feather in my cap will be when we went to magfest in 2015 i entered that windjammers yeah. tournament never playing it and i made it good distance up the ladder so all right we're gonna do fallout so no logic in a documentary but just more so the fallout from the documentary on february 2nd 2018 twin galaxies member jeremy young he filed a complaint against basically all of mitchell's records when Mitchell broke one of the records, or it might even been the tape, he kind of was like, okay, I have an eye on you. You know, there's a, a pattern with you. So basically, he alleged that Billy had fabricated scores. So on April of 2018, Twin Galaxies released an article on their website. <laughs> Got to get on the internet. So when they went on the internet, they placed an article that said that Billy used emulation software to achieve the Donkey Kong high score rather than an arcade machine. This is banned because supposedly using a MAME or emulated software allows you to cheat in undetected ways. Yeah. Mitchell was stripped of his records, banned from submitting further scores. So they basically were like, you're dead to Twin Galaxy. They recognized Steve Wiebe as the first person to score over a million. Due to this, Guinness removed all of Mitchell's records. Good. However, it sounds like last year or this year that Guinness was like, after a long investigation, we don't see proof that Billy cheated. <laughs> I want to know Guinness's investigative background. Right. I want to know but they what were like, they're... We don't see any manipulation that he didn't cheat, which the point is moot because those scores have been blown away anyway. Yeah. But in my opinion, the way that these things should go, even if you put up fucking 2 million at home, yeah. it shouldn't count. Other than just like, okay, watch out for this guy. You should have to play it live somewhere yeah. in the presence of someone. I would agree. You know, like even if it's like, okay, bring your iPhone to the arcade, have the employee of the arcade say our, you know, machine is legit. Let him play. And then that counts. That's fine. But it's got to be played somewhere. It can't be played at home. No, it can't be submitted on a tape. It's got to be with witnesses. So after the King of Kong, after the records kind of went back and forth a couple times, Steve Wiebe began to compete with a New York surgeon named Hank Chen, who was called Dr. Kong. They traded the record a few times before both stopped competing. Now we have a similar situation between Robbie Lakeman and Wes Copeland. They've traded the record a number of times. Tons of times. And now another guy who's entered the frame too, McCurdy. Yeah, current record holder Robbie Lakeman, 1,272,800 just six months ago in June of 2021, which was oh. 200,000 more points than yeah. these guys were scoring. Mm -hmm. So pretty substantial. That's got to be a 1.2 million score. That's got to be probably over a three and a half hour game. There's another interesting record for the no hammer challenge. Basically, some of these guys were like, I'm never going to be able to do that. Or, you know, I can't play for three hours or whatever. So there's a new challenge, which is basically where you achieve the highest score you can without getting the hammer found in the game. Current record holder Jeff Wolf has actually held this high score since 2008, 735,100. And there is a tournament called Kong Off where you can see some of these guys compete live. And the last two were actually held not too far from us in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Really? Yeah. So That'd if you cool. ever want to go to the Kong off, which was delayed because of COVID. Now, I'm curious if there has to be some sort of record where you're on the very first screen, the most points you can score on that first screen until you die. Because it's continuous barrels. Yeah. You could probably go to town on that first screen. Oh, yeah. I'd be curious to see if there was a record. Probably a lot of ways to do it. Yeah. What's the legacy of this movie? So I will say there's someone that holds a top 30 all-time score at Donkey Kong. Interesting fact. It's Eminem, the rapper. Really? He has an all-time top 30 score. What does, uh, do you know his number? I don't. Okay. I, it's in the hundreds of thousands. Still. Sub million, but yeah, top 30 score. 2014, King of Kong, the musical. Because, yeah. Everything we've ever covered gets a musical Pretty at some much. Point. It basically parodied the characters and events depicted in the documentary. And a scripted film adaptation is in the works. Director Seth Gordon has said, maybe rather than making a live action version, maybe doing a 
follow-up sequel documentary. I would like that. It's been a long time. See where Steve Wiebe is now. Yeah, we also mentioned last week the Dragster world record controversy. In 1982, Todd Rogers, who you can see in this documentary. Who also has a very interesting look. Yeah, he claimed the world record with a time of 5.51 seconds until January 29th. 2018, this was accepted by Twin Galaxies and Guinness, which later recognized it as the longest standing video game record. There's a reason. Roger said he achieved his time by shifting into second gear as the final countdown timer reached zero. I could buy that. That's like yeah. the shit you do when you were like playing video games. Yeah, it's, a fuck, like, it's an Atari game. You're convinced if you hit the button a couple more times, it's yeah. going to do something. So Eric Koziel, a speedrunner and creator of tool-assisted speedruns, he analyzed the code of the game and discovered it's physically impossible to score 5.51. So even with like computer-aided software doing a run for you, first off, it's impossible to, to shift during the countdown. And second, the best possible time you could get would be 5.57. So then he got the former Billy Mitchell treatment and got removed. A pariah. Yes. And, you know, that one's weird. So it, it was a 20-year record. A bunch of people got a 5.57, but no one ever got a 5.56, 5.54, 5.4. He, he, yes, he had a 5.51. Yes, he had a 5.51. Everybody else had a 5.57. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's weird that no one else filled in those gaps, never broke five, and there's a reason. Yeah. So now- And it took him that long to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, so it was now bullshit. they figured out. 5.57 is the best you can do. Anything uh, you want to mention in Legacy? They love to go to just after all this, after all the dust settled and the world calmed down after the recession of 2009, Walter Day and Steve Wiebe yeah. became musicians. Steve Wiebe, a little bit more successful. I do mean the word little quite literally. He is on Spotify. He came out with an album in 2009 called The Song of Kong. And he has a couple, Kevin and I listen to a couple tracks. 20, 23 monthly listeners. It's contemporary Christian music. Yeah, sounds like jazz. And yeah. Hearts. And then Walter Day. There's a fucking hippie. I don't know where. Hit piss jugs and. Yeah. He's weird. Yes. Stick around for some plugs. It's Donkey Kong, the arcade sensation. And now you can play it at home. Hang on, sweetheart. I'm going to save you. Now you can play Donkey Kong on your ColecoVision, Atari VCS, or Intellivision video game system. Donkey Kong has multiple screens, just like the arcade game. You're not going to stop me, you stupid ape. Play Donkey Kong on your ColecoVision, Atari VCS, or Intellivision video game system. Don't worry, darling. I'll save you. Help me. Hey guys, I'm Dana, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two let us know join today instagram at pool scene podcast and tiktok we're trendy with the kids y'all at pool scene pod one and as always thank you thank you thank you and now back to kevin f-zero guy hit it yeah All right, for final lap, I'm pissed. Uh, basically, we're now into November, and as that dreaded word for me, Christmas, yeah, approaches. Um, basically, there's supply chain issues. Oh, there's beyond supply chain issues, and there's resellers. So resellers are always a problem. I mean, we've we've been into vintage video games, yeah, arcade cabs shoes toys you know you name it and no matter what you're into you've always got these these fucks these reseller fucks i they're scumbags i don't mind somebody like hustling like we have friends who thrift for a living yeah they they have pretty they do pretty well damn well yeah. at going and and thrifting items and put the work in they go thrifting every day they resell them no problem with that except resellers who buy something with the intention like buy a new product okay I go to the store. I'm in the right place in the right time. I buy 10 of something. Yeah. 
bullshit. So there's something my kids want. And basically we saw it a month ago in the store and we hadn't started, you know, probably a month and a half ago, we saw it at the store and hadn't started Christmas shopping, even considering Christmas shopping, saw it and said, oh, that's pretty cool. We'll have to, you know, add that to the list to have to think about it. Well, now of course, both kids, that's their number one most wanted Christmas item. That's all they talk about. That's the only thing they want. You know, I've, you know, had somebody on the inside look at Walmart. I've had, you know, somebody look at Target. We've got notifications on. This thing doesn't exist. No, it's gone. It's gone. It's out of stock. I've done searches with zip codes within like X number of miles. It's not at any store in the company. My cousin's like, yeah, or you're fucked. Yeah. Basically you're fucked. Like, you know, this thing's not coming back right now. But then the thing that makes it all worse that I said is if you go on Facebook marketplace or Amazon, one seller, 10 available, you know, 15 available. So one person, and in this case, they just had to be like almost gambling pretty much because unless they saw some publication that this was going to be a hot yeah, Christmas tour, now. they got it. So good for them. Except the cheapest one I think I could find today was like $161. This thing retails for 60 such bullshit and they're selling it the cheapest one i saw is 100 over retail yeah i wouldn't mind paying a little over retail and i even put a thing up that was like somebody finds it for me i'll throw you 20 25 bucks mm -hmm. go sell yourself some dinner you know thank you yeah reimburse your gas whatever but like it's just it sucks when it's for your kids yeah that's the worst it's it's not you know i'm a grown-ass man like i can live without having something but like these are kids who are asking Santa for this stuff. We were that age. We know what it's like. Yeah, asking Santa for this stuff. And then, you know, what do you tell them? Well, some reseller fuck bought them all. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you as much as you want them to get stuck with them, you know, they'll get their money back for them. You know what? Karma finds a way. It always will for these motherfuckers. We had at work... Video game consoles right now are the thing, yeah. but of course the shortages, it's hard to get. These fuckers buy at these bots online. Yeah. This son of a bitch scumbag, he's got like 40 PS5s. Yeah. He's bought 40 PS5s and his fuckers flipped them for about $1,000 each. Yep. But here's the problem though. People are paying that fucking shit they for They have it, to. So it just entitles them to do it fucking more. They have more. to. Yep, that's that's the problem. It's either, it's again, it's either that or disappoint your kids. Yeah, it's fucked. So it sucks. I mean, it's, you know, with shoes, like shoes are a big one. You got the Nike sneakers app and all these other ones where it release sneakers. They've improved it, but it turns out it's people who have bots. They're getting these things by using bots. And then you find out like, you know, there was a scandal with like one of the CEOs and their kid was like buying these and reselling them. They were skimming money off. I mean, it's just, you can't trust any of this because, you know, these Walmart employees that are underappreciated or Target employees or whoever, yep. why wouldn't they, if they have access, just call their family and friends and be like, hey, in 30 minutes, we're putting out 10 of these things. But it's like these people just say, hey, stuff's coming in, you know, come buy all of them. Yeah. You know, stores have, and you know, we went through the same thing with Disney. Like Disney, it's, it's, I never the ever. The fucking shirts. I never ever considered that these shirts would sell out and stuff. And same thing. People are still selling them online for $70, $80. And it's like, get a fucking life. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so frustrating. It's fucked up. It's the world we live in, though, man. Jim, unless you have anything else, I mean, this uh, is about typical for a swim meet episode. Yeah. You know, we, don't, <laughs> we talk about Qbert having sex or sex. She might be Qbert. I don't know. Yeah. Next week, we know what we're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, next week, Christian Slater. It's the movie that was a trailblazer kind of for podcast itself. Pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. Yeah. They say that I am deluded. Oh. Listen to this. Demented. So who is he? Deranged. He's got a pirate radio station. Guess what I say? Soviet! It was too true to last. This is FCC jurisdiction. It's out of control. And too good to let die. Don't you see that you're the voice? Christian Slater. Sorry about that, folks. Technical difficulties. Your message is out there. Pump up the volume. Rated R. Preview Sunday, August 19th. Opens August 22nd. All right. Well, until then, unless we throw you any more curveballs, silencia. <laughs> <laughs>